Hey there, it's Matt. Welcome to Food Under Fire, where we explore grace and resilience in the food system. Normally, I take this time to reflect on my thoughts or wax poetic about some random thing, but I feel a bit more urgent this week. Speaking from the context of Minnesota, the governor has decided that indoor dining will remain closed through the holidays, and as we approach January, well, that's bad news for bars and restaurants. Historically, January has always been a bad month for the industry. In fact, it's probably the worst month of the year for them. Everyone is starting their new diet, everyone is financially fatigued from the holidays, and if you're living in the Midwest, it's usually too cold to go out dining. Here's the thing. I don't care if you're on a diet, I don't care if you've spent a lot over the holidays, and I don't care if it's too cold. Restaurants are going to be hit hard by the coming months, and if you truly respect and cherish these places, you need to support them, no matter what. Because it's your support that keeps them alive. It's that simple. And look, I'm not asking you to dine out every day. I'm not asking you to drop a Benjamin Franklin on takeout. I'm asking that you look at your budget, you look at your lifestyle, and gauge the best level of support that you can offer. Perhaps it's once a week, or once every other week. It doesn't matter. You just have to do something because without you, bars and restaurants will collapse. Government aid has been incredibly lackluster, so it's up to us to seize the day and save restaurants. Before we get into today's episode, be sure to follow the podcast on the official Instagram page, which you can now find at Food Under Fire Pod. You can find it on Facebook as well under the same name. I launched a Patreon for the podcast. Patreon is a service where for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content and merch. It's optional, but if you're interested, visit patreon.com slash foodunderfire. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash food under fire. Find the link in the description as well. And of course, if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also share with a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. In 2020, we have seen people open restaurants, food trucks, and delivery services. But what about an actual grocery store? Well, that's exactly what Dana and Peter Smith did. But it's not just any grocery store. These people have created a brand that transcends the normal idea of local. Call it hyperlocal. In a small store space in Hopkins, Minnesota, Peter and Dana have put together a grocery shopping experience that feels like a curated art gallery. They have a very small inventory, but each item is carefully selected and tells a compelling story. Most of it is from Minnesota. It is in this small store where we are able to truly see the confluence of small businesses that form the backbone in our food system. These are the kind of companies that you might miss at any other sort of grocery store. At Mini Row Market, they are given a chance to shine. But even though all this sounds great on paper, I was curious as to how it worked on a logistical level. Not to mention, how does a system like this work in the middle of a pandemic? 
In fact, in our initial emails, I half-jokingly called them crazy for pursuing this idea in such uncertain times. Now granted, it was in their heads before shit hit the fan, but still, I was dying to know how they got this off the ground. So I took off from St. Paul and paid them a visit at their Main Street location in Hopkins to learn more. I arrive a little before 8 a.m. It's an especially cold morning as I make my way into their storefront with equipment and chairs. Hey there. Hello. Are you Peter? I am. Nice to meet you on Matt. Hi, Dana. Nice to meet you. Hi, guys. I get things set up, and as I do, I can't help but feel a strange sense of comfort in the store. Perhaps there is something to be said about the energy of a place when it dedicates itself to such honorable values. It's Monday, so that means the store is closed, and the two are a little bit more relaxed than usual. The kids are at home with their grandparents, and our conversation begins with branding, marketing, and how it all came together in the beginning. Uh, Everything kind of pieced together. So we started with, uh, as Dana was talking about, the conversation on what Mini Row was to us and where we wanted it to be in five years and 10 years and 15 years. And then that came up with the our brand, if you will, what's on our website and what's on our hats and our logo, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And so that started our brand presentation, I guess. And then that evolved into, okay, now let's start designing the physical space. And then once we were here and um, equipment was in place, then we took pictures and they said, okay, let's, we could fit a poster there. We can fit something here. So it, it came together in pieces. So we had I guess, input along the way. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't any huge surprises. No, and we chose all the words and the quotes. Those were things that we picked out. So all the copy, those were your ideas? Yep, we found quotes and we said we like them. Um, Keep your friends Mm -hmm. close and your farmers closer was one that we just kept seeing and find love at the local places, happiness is homemade, food with integrity, like all those words and phrases were things that aligned with our mission and what we stand for, so. It made sense to bring it here and put it on the walls and yeah. make it flow with our, you know, the same fonts, the same color scheme, the same I don't know, aesthetic, basically. Right, right. The guest experience. Mm-hmm. So you said, how far along were you when, when the design process was being created? Like, did you give them a glimpse of what the space was and did they have an idea of what everything kind of looked like? Yeah, they did. Pretty early on, we, we met with them in June and... Probably by August, they were out looking at things, taking pictures, making sure that you know they could do what we wanted them to do with the space. Um, yeah, we started the conversation with them before we actually knew we were going to be here in Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just around the logo and our kind of brand identity that we wanted to start creating. And then once we found the physical space here, then that started to kind of evolve more into what does that actually look like as opposed to what does it feel like? So how long has this actual idea been in gestation for? Pretty, pretty far back. Um, uh-huh. When we first got together and started dating, um, I was really big into writing goals down and um, 
just creating the life you want is kind of something I learned with a previous job at Lululemon. They're all about job love and creating goals. Awesome. Yeah. So um, I kind of took that to our relationship and I wrote one year, five year, 10 year goals. And I said, you know, in 10 years, what, you know, what's a, what's a goal you want? He's like, I want, I've always wanted to have my own store. And I was like, sweet, why, let's put that down. Like we have our own store. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, COVID kind of happened and we were at home a lot, like everyone. And I literally, I pulled out, I pulled out the goals and I was like, we, we did this, we wrote this, let's make it happen. Let's, you know, brainstorm and it happened and like it's just I believe in the power of manifestation and oh, of course, yeah. I believe in intentions and speaking into existence what you want and that's that's what happened and um, sure. it was both of our passions together I mean he's the food guy I love customer service I love giving people um, a really good experience when they come shop and welcome people into our store as it is, is our, it's our home. It's a, it's a second home for us and we're proud of it. And so I think that some idea of this concept was kicked around in conversation throughout our whole entire marriage. I think that helped a lot when it came down to actually when we committed to, okay, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was easier to, to put it to paper and bring the concept to life. Mm-hmm. I, I think Dana was right that the pandemic kickstarted that, mm-hmm. um, and then we put the name to the project probably in April, and mm-hmm. I quit my job in June, and we went full into it, and well, here we are. Mm-hmm. So what was, the, what was the deal behind that initial goal, though, to open a spot like this? What, what, what has been your motivations to do something like this? Well, I've always worked with food. Um, every job I've ever had, for the most part, is in some relation to food service or cooking, uh, but I never really had a specific job that I could see as a long-term career. I loved cooking, but didn't really like the working on the line and the restaurant lifestyle, I guess, quote unquote, it wasn't for me. So transformed or transferred into sales and kind of saw the distribution side of food, um, which was very educational and, um, helpful for where I am now, but definitely wasn't a career for me and had a couple corporate jobs throughout my career or two, I guess, um, most recently uh, distribution food. And that wasn't the lifestyle. I always liked working for myself, I guess, mm-hmm. and family owned places. I got that feel, but the corporation wasn't right for us. Yeah. What a great depiction that is of life though. Just the trial and error, good old trial and error. Just like uh-huh. not trying this. No, that doesn't work. Trying this, that, that didn't work. Did you have a similar experience with your career at all? Kind of. Um, I never really took my degree and did anything with it after college. Okay. Um, so I started in preschool, which I loved. I love kids and I've always wanted to be a mom. And so that was my goal in life. I've always wanted to be a mom. And so I left preschool to, you know, do something else in retail. I never really thought I could do retail as a job and I left it to do Lululemon and I fell in love with customer experience and it was fun. It was a great three, four years of my life. And Nordstrom Ridgedale was opening in summer of um, 2015. And so I really wanted, I've always loved Nordstrom. It's a, another brand and company that speaks customer service. And I, I loved it. And so I applied, I got in, I helped open the jean department. And again, fell in love with that customer experience and talking to people about products and you know clothes was fun to me and realized that I can do that with our love of this market too. So 
after that, I, you know, I, I fulfilled the mom thing. I was able to be a mom and I stayed at home with the kids and it was fun and I love it. And I, I wanted something else too. I wanted to get back into the job world and I wanted to be a mom, but also have something else. And this just worked out perfectly. Right. And now I get to use my degree in a way. I was broadcast journalism was my degree. And so I kind of get to use that with social media yeah, and right. content creating and marketing in many roles. So that's, that's been a really fun, you know, blessing in disguise too. Yeah. So. Well, speaking of the name, you guys really wear your values on your sleeve there because mm-hmm. Minnie, short for Minnesota, Rose, yeah. short for your daughter. And that co- combination of community and family mm-hmm. obviously seems to be big values for you guys. I mean, which I yeah. imagine you'd say that's accurate, right? It's very accurate. Yeah. And I mean, we take that on Sundays, it's we're working the store on Sundays. It's family day, so we're here holding it down. And at the end of the day, we get to go home and be with our family for the afternoon. It's a short shift, and we did that purposely so we could have a day with our girls and you know with our parents if we need to and have a rest and pause. So mm-hmm. yeah, and I, th- I think it speaks a lot to our product as well. We partner with family-owned food operations. Mm-hmm. Um, we seek that out if we have a choice between two products and we have to kind of eliminate one because our store is small, we don't um, you know, have competing products or competing brands on our shelves. Um, so if we have, a, have to make a decision, we look for smaller operations, family owned, kind of a more unique feel to them. Mm-hmm. But also what we're um, offering our customers is an experience and we cater to a family experience as well. We offer meal kits that feed four to six people um, and try to really promote the gathering and consuming of that meal as a family, as a family unit. Mm-hmm. We think that that's something really special and should be shared. And speaking of your products, I mean, it's a small store. You guys don't have much, and I'm sure you are very intentional, obviously, about what you choose. But I imagine there's, aren't there like logistical problems to that? Or just, is that a tough thing to figure out? Like, what what do we choose and how much of it do we get? And do we have space for more? And I mean, I just, I feel like the nature of this, and that's, I think that's why I'm so fascinated with this place in general. It's like you're working with so little, but it says so much. Mm-hmm. And from a branding perspective and from looking from the outside in, that looks great, but mm-hmm. working from the, from the inside, I, just, I feel like that's super difficult. Is it or is it not or what? I mean, there's definitely, definitely challenges. Um, you know, figuring out the correct amount of inventory to have for our customers, you know, making sure we have enough product, making sure the product we have is good and stays fresh for them as well. Um, we've got, we had comments about um, having bulk fruit. And so we, we started off with bags of fruit mm. and people said, you know, we live by ourselves. We need individual, individual size options. So we're like, okay, let's skip the bag fruit. Let's get individual apples, individual pears and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're learning as we go. Um, do you have any? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, even without the uh, um, circumstances around the pandemic, there's challenges in food distribution around the country. I mean, you got it's got to stay cold or frozen or at some ambient temperature. Um, so there's logistical challenges to begin with. Um, we, one in particular sticking out is um, we're working with Stony Creek for our milk. And they have a really good product. It's single herd family that are single herd cattle that produces their product and they don't ultra high temperature pasteurize it, which gives it a shorter shelf life. And it's really fresh and good quality milk. But we have to order it a week and a half ahead of time because they make it to order for us. And we don't know what we're going to sell a week and a half from now. So Mm. our first week we brought in a lot and had to donate a decent amount of milk. And then we brought it 
down for the second week and now we're in our third week and feel like we're kind of in a groove with that product but uh, it's just an unknown that we had to make a decision on and I mean, this is quite a place to open in general, but I mean, it, it's quite a place to open during a pandemic. It's when I when I heard first heard about you guys, I was like, okay, hyper local, and then but oh, hyper local during a pandemic. I mean, do you do, are you guys just full steam ahead? Are you just super positive mode, or are you like, is there are, are, are there tinges of anxiety every once in a while? Oh yeah, there's definitely anxiety. I'm a huge germaphobe, and um, okay. you know, so I was very cautious about letting people into this space when mm. we were getting it ready, when we were, um, you know, before we got it up and running. And now that it is running, I'm still very cautious. I, I sanitize all the time. Um, you know, I'm wiping things down constantly. Our hands are dry and whatnot <laughs> because of that. So, I mean, that was a huge hesitation because um, we opened the week there was a second rise of cases in Minnesota too. Mm. And so, oh my God. you know, we kind of changed our model and we realized that we were going to have to have some kind of order pickup or curbside pickup available from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And well, we knew that we could do it, but we didn't think it was going to be done as quickly as it was. So three weeks in now we have limited online order pickup available that we can, you know, get ready for our customers and whatnot. I think, um, well, we, we adapted and we'll continue to adapt. Our model is helpful for that because we're small scale and we only have one location that we have to kind of make those changes to at a time and it's definitely worked well i think the pandemic and being local was definitely the right time for this to happen mm -hmm. i think this concept uh is needed for any time but especially during the pandemic when things are shut down and um, some of these food producers are limited in their options on how to get their products to customers mm -hmm. and the things that were open were the large scale distribution options that didn't work well with small scale food producers. So they needed an avenue to get their product to um, consumers and we wanted to be an option that's available not just during the pandemic but after for them to have a space to showcase their product that doesn't have to compete with national brands. Mm -hmm. To speak to that too, we, when the pandemic first started, we noticed like the quality of our food, like just changing because there was, you know, a high demand for beef and everything. And so we realized this is not the same quality that we are used to getting from our stores. Um, how can we fix that? How can we create something different? And why not get cut out all those middlemen and support something local, find a local farm that, you know, you know what they're doing to the cattle, you know what kind of meat you're getting and whatnot. And yep. that was, that was another big deciding factor. Like we want consistency in our products. We want to give that to people as well. And I don't know. Yeah. You, you spoke on it a little bit earlier, but mm -hmm. so what are some of the factors that you look at when deciding the product? Cause it's Minnesota only correct. Right. Minnesota-based as much as possible. As much as possible, yeah. okay. Clearly, there's things we can't source from our area, like certain fruits and vegetables and um, fish and some of the condiments and whatnot. And with that, we say that we work with companies who are ethically produced. Okay. And so what we define that is as companies that are making sure that their products have a positive impact for the environment, for the consumer, for their employees, just making sure that a company is an ethical place to either work at or mm -hmm. um, place to work at or, you know, mm -hmm. you know, that their products have integrity. And um, that's one of the main things that we align with. What else? We like, uh, we like products that have a story yeah. or brands that have a story. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a small operation or family owned, female owned, uh, minority owned, or they're, or they're created um, because they wanted to 
make a change in the world. Like mm -hmm. the Kind Lips product that we mm -hmm. carry, our lip balm is, he wasn't really set out on making chapstick and making a huge business on mm -hmm. lip balm. It was mm -hmm. more along the lines of a product that he used and liked, but he also thought that that could carry out a mission that he was passionate mm -hmm. about. And so that's a, a cool story that we like to tell mm -hmm. um, and one that we think needs to be shared. Right. And people want to support it right now. And I'm glad you brought that up earlier that now more than ever, people want to support local. Cause I'll be honest, when I first heard about your business, I was like, man, that kind of setup during a pandemic, that sounds kind of crazy, but you're right. People now more than ever are looking for avenues to utilize their dollars in ethical mm -hmm. uh, ways so mm -hmm. that they can support their community. Cause they can see how much their community might be in pain or isn't struggling. And they don't, they don't, sometimes they just don't even know what to do to help. And I think yep. shopping at a place like this is such a good place to start because even by just shopping here once, you're, you're making a huge contribution to your Absolutely. community, I mm -hmm. feel. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the time to support local is now, um, you know, Minnesota. Minnesota had a rough year and, you know, to, you know, have a business do well is something that would be awesome here. And Lots of the products that are on our shelves right now are companies that have had a tough year mm -hmm. and they're excited or we may be the first store that they've had their products on the shelf ever. And so that's really exciting for us too, to be that showcase, that flagship for them is really humbling for us. <laughs> you, you said your goal people, especially your yep. end of the goals. Yep. Are you guys still doing the goals right now? What are, what are some of the goals as they pertain to mini Row? Yeah. I mean, have you been having those conversations at all? Oh yeah, we do have, we have plans. Um, we'd like to get into delivery. Um, that's probably the next mm -hmm. hurdle, I guess. Um, we'd like to open another location um, down the line. Uh-huh. Expand what we have to offer yeah. here as well. Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure that the products that we've started with are, are right. And then we have more of a complete offering for to um, satisfy people's needs for their grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. And then really line up those products as well as um, the prepared foods that we're doing here. We mm -hmm. want to grow our, our menu and what we can offer with our talent. Mm -hmm. We want to have more meal kits and uh, we're... Uh, pairings with the vine shop next door and just continue to build on this community and see what people want and try to get that here in Hopkins and yeah continuing things like meal kits will probably mm -hmm. be important because mm -hmm. the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic aren't just going to go away no. and people still need that easy access assistance or they still need something just easy or they need something that again is just very accessible so to continue those goals where you're providing offerings that are very much pandemic influenced is probably going to be important for the future. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows for how long, but definitely. Right. Right. And people are doing a lot more home deliveries, home, you know, at home more. So if we can cater to that and keep that going, I think it's a win for everyone. Right. And it's interesting, again, as just a relatively new business, you, you obviously, to an extent, you do have to operate based on what the consumer wants or what the consumer is being receptive to. So it'll be definitely be interesting to see how the business kind of evolves or to see where the needs are right. and kind of catering to those needs as you go on. Right. And like I just said, those needs are just so, they're so different right now. Like right. the needs that we're experiencing from consumers, right. they're unprecedented and right. we just have to kind of address them as such. Right. Right. And speaking of that too, so we weren't going to offer lunch right away from the beginning and mm. our customers were very, you know, adamant that they wanted like a lunch service. And so like, okay, let's, let's change this. Let's get a local lunch ready for people and, you know, have lunch from 11 to one, 11 to three. And yep. 
we have soup salads and sandwiches now, and it kind of makes sense being at the former Herberts and Gerbers that, you know, people still come here looking for that lunch <laughs> option. And so now that we have it, it's, I think that was something that, you know, they spoke to, so they needed, and we filled that demand, and yep. we'll keep doing that if people tell us what they want. Absolutely. Absolutely. One, of, one of my favorite parts about having this type of conversation with a couple is I'm always curious about how your relationship has evolved during the pandemic. Yeah. And be honest, don't be yeah, like, oh, no. it's been great. No, no, I mean, there's, for the, for the most part, it has been great. There's definitely been, um, uh-huh. you know, sometimes where we've had a few fights or, you know, reactions out of lack of sleep or lack of food. Um, uh-huh. But I think we're a really good team. I think, um, I mean, love is at the heart of everything that we do. And someone told us uh, from the beginning, just remember that we're on the same team. We have the same goals. Um, right. At the end of the day, that's what really it is. And uh, Yeah, we have complementary skill sets that help us in a business, and I think that also helps in a in a relationship as well. So, kind of have the the parts that one person does better than the other, and and, and that's benefited us as uh, as business owners, being in close proximity to one another and mm-hmm. our family. And we have a one year old at home, so it's been a busy I year. I was just about to ask about that. <laughs> uh-huh. I, have, I have conversations with my twenty something friends, and we're just like, man, I, I can't imagine what it's like they have kids right now. What the heck? <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's been fun. They we I mean they've come to the store a lot. They've seen a lot of this happening from the beginning, and so they're very aware of what's going on. And our three year old, you know, she knows more and she understands it more, and she thinks it's the coolest thing. And she every time we come home, what did you get from Minnie Row for me? You know, and she's getting spoiled when we're not there. She's getting the grandparents' love, so they're in the best hands, and it's. It's, it hasn't affected them as much as we thought it would. I think it, we're the ones who were thinking it's going to affect us worse than it really is. And yep. we're missing them, but they're, they're happy. They're fine. They, we come home and it's like we didn't leave. And that's been really heartening, heartwarming to see. So we don't have to stress that we're not you know, there as often as we want to be. We're not having to navigate online learning since our oldest is three. Right. So that's um, a challenge that we avoided. Yeah. So in that aspect, our kids are, I think, at a, um, an age where these circumstances didn't affect them as hard as an older kid would. You know, right. We just had more, more family time this summer, and we will have more family time this winter, yeah. staying home and enjoying each other's company. So. Well, in a way, your kids are kind of living in a relatively normal world. Not, not much of their life is directly affected by the pandemic, and that's why I always feel so bad when I think about the kids who are in school yeah. and they just kind of have that in-person learning trip from them and they have their, their, their friends and they don't have, you know, mentors and teachers. And right. that's, yeah, that's really difficult. So you guys are definitely blessed in the sense that not only do you have kids that are in that age range where they don't have to experience that, but then they have the grandparents right. to We're, help out. I mean, that's amazing. It, Absolutely. it really is. We, I mean, the stars aligned. <laughs> yeah, we would not have been able to do this without our parents' help and support and care for right. not only our our daughters but for us as well like they made sure we were being taken care of and mm-hmm. yeah taking care of our house taking care of you know our animals and they've yeah. they've done it they've done it all so we owe a lot of the success to them and their belief in us and took yep. a family 
Yeah, I mean, you made. I I saw that post on Instagram you made about celebrating five years of marriage, yeah. and then you kind of reflect on your parents and how instrumental they have been in all of this. Mm-hmm. Not in just taking care of the kids, but they just support what you're doing in general. Absolutely. Yeah. When we told them what we were doing, I for sure thought we were gonna get laughs and like, "Are you serious?" Like, <laughs> but each one was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. How are you gonna do it?" <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. they let us do it, and I think they're I think they're proud. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Time will tell. Yeah, time right. will tell. I, well, I think it's so awesome just to have someone in your corner in general, especially yes. when you're doing, A, something that's hard to start a, a business, but once again, starting a business in the midst of, of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that is just, that is something you just need morale for. Yeah. You know, it's not something you can just do and like, let's see if this works. Like to have people supporting you is just so much extra fuel, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the support we've gotten from the community in Hopkins, people. That's awesome. In Minnesota, coming, you know, we had someone travel from St. Cloud just to come see us. And I mean, that was heartwarming. That yeah. was truly, it means a lot. And we, we get, we get letters that people are excited for us. And you know, that's the, that's the community we wanted to create. And it, it lets us know that we're doing the right thing. Um, we feel good. We have that validate, validation that, you know, yeah. this is what we should be doing. And absolutely, it was a calling that we kept having to answer and we kept hearing it and we, you know, you just you answered it and mm-hmm. took that first step and here we are. <laughs> we just trust the process, you know, having that belief system and I think that's 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 what got us here. It yeah. really is. It really is. Well you made the leap. Not many people make the leap. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I imagine not to be grim or grim or anything, but I imagine not many regrets will be on your guys' deathbed. I mean you you won for it and that's awesome. You. And you're and you're currently doing it, and I imagine you're going to keep doing it. Thank you. That's the goal. That's the goal. Yep. Keep growing. Yep. Spreading our mission, so. Well, yeah, the, the community definitely needs more. We need more spots like this that really put the forefront on local support and understanding how we can assist our farmers, assist local vendors, and stuff like that. It's so easy to sometimes just go to the the bigger stores and just kind of just like, oh, let me get my groceries and blah, blah, blah. But it really, again, the pandemic has really sh- showed us the value of what it means to go to a co-op or a place like this or something where there's just so much emphasis on local product. And, and the way I'm hoping up the pandemic has been a blessing in that way, because it's just been a reminder of, or it's just been a reprioritization re-prior- of things. It's not only is it important to support places like this or support restaurants but you know get, I, don't, I don't know give them shout outs on your social media and say like hey i went here you guys yep. should try this or something like mm-hmm. that just kind of rallying everyone together to just go and support local spots right the referral is you know that's word of mouth is kind of like the new best job <laughs> review you can have and yeah right we can't afford we can't afford uh tv commercials and billboards and so having people shout us out um, and same with a lot of the companies that we work with as well so you know they they may have a presence on shelves all across the metro uh, but they're hidden amongst 10,000 other items in that store and so if we can bring a little light to their product and then you're walking down your local cub and that brand catches your eye and you go for um, a tomb garlic dip instead of a national brand Dutch made garlic dip. Well, you know, that's a win for that small business. Mm-hmm. And that's a win for us too, even though you may be buying it from a, one of our competition. <laughs> as long as you saw it here first. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, like when I walked in earlier, 
one of the first things I saw was that T-Rex cookie. I mean, for people listening, it's like the size of my head. Mm -hmm. And like, who knows if I would have seen that at like a Target or like a Walmart. That really is a benefit of having fewer products is that you're able to make people pop out more and stand out more. And it almost gives yep. them a greater sense of individuality. They're not like stuck in this sea yep. of stuff. Yep. And, you, and then you have choice anxiety and yep. it's just like, it's just such a, it's almost like a meaningless process. It's just like an autonomic I'm, I'm here getting my stuff, but here it's just like I, I can buy that cookie, that T-Rex cookie, and you can tell me like their motto and the woman who does it, mm -hmm. and you can tell me this whole story behind it. Mm -hmm. You can do that with almost everything here, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. What we, that's what we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> you, you got it. Uh -huh. <laughs> we want to be able to showcase you know, the individual makers and tell the story and be able to do that in a space that we can have a conversation and not be, you know, feel like mm -hmm. you have to go to customer service to answer a question. Like we want to be able to talk to you right around, you know, come around the door and say hi to you. What are you cooking? Like what, what are your needs? Like we want to yeah. be able to give you that yeah. you know, experience. And I think it's also important to say that we don't have the answer to everything as well. And we're learning in this process and there's products that we're unaware of that we would love to learn about or sell um, or have the opportunity to sell as you know so that's something we welcome mm -hmm. is suggestions and um, feedback feedback and, and absolutely mm -hmm. so because we like learning too yeah like, awesome yeah, we want the we want we want to serve the community the best way we can and so yeah we need that feedback we need that recommendations we need criticism a little bit of it <laughs> you know and <laughs> tell us how how we can do better that's always good yeah. Well, I think that's a, a great place to end. I mean, that's a pretty good way to sum up everything that you're doing here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look forward to the future of this place. I look forward to hopefully mini row part two somewhere <laughs> else. But for now, focus on this place. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful in here. It's a really cool aesthetic that you guys have found and really cool design. So, Thank you, I mean, congratulations on getting this place started. It's, no, it's nothing to scoff at, certainly. It's crazy. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you guys for being on today. Absolutely. Right. Thanks for having us. This My was pleasure. Awesome. Thanks for listening. I'll include the information you need to support Mineral Market in the episode description. As always, be sure to follow the podcast on the official Instagram page, which you can now find at Food Under Fire Pod. You can find it on Facebook as well under the same name. Remember that I now have a Patreon for the podcast. Patreon is a service where, for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to bonus content and merch. It's optional, but if you're interested, visit patreon.com slash food under fire. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash food under fire. Find the link in the description as well. And of course, if you enjoy the show, consider subscribing on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You could also share with a friend or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Take care.